Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're going to have this ability to now reframe. Allow yourself time throughout the day to stress the fuck out. The thoughts and the feelings and the behavior cycle can start changing. This is going to be a big, huge, ginormous conversation today, and we're having it with the perfect person. Dr. Paul Herkel is joining us to talk about why your weight might not be moving with all the things that you're doing on the living method, following the food plan, drinking your water, adding in your supplements, um, you know, focusing on your stress and your sleep and maximizing all those things. There are four main things that we're going to focus on today, inflammation, Mm -hmm. food sensitivity, gut dysbiosis, and hormonal health. But we were just having a conversation behind the scenes. And if there's one thing that I know after having this conversation with you so many times, it's all connected. It's all connected. Um, first of all, hello, welcome. Hi. Thank you, Dina. It's great to see every uh, you and everyone else that's listening. This is actually out of all the three talks that I do with each session. Uh, this is my favorite because it really Same. allows us to get down into the things that I, I think most people are are concerned about, especially those that um, are returning members and they're wondering why their weights are not why their weights not moving. And you know, we've do- dove into the research to try to figure out. What are some of those factors? I've taken my, you know, over a decade long of clinical experience and try to put this into this conversation. So that's why it's fun because it really is that kind of culminating talk. Well, I know we have those four topics, the inflammation, mm-hmm. food sensitivity, gut dysbiosis, hormonal health. But um, behind the scenes, we were talking about your microbiome. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always learning. I don't pretend to know it all. I've learned a lot over the last however many years I've been helping people lose weight. But this microbiome, there's a lot, the research is so new, which is so, there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we yeah, don't know. That's true. And, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, to continue our conversation that we just started before we went online here, you know, I'm also learning. And as a clinician, my patients are teaching me. Oftentimes, uh, when I hit a, a block or an obstacle, it forces me to get back into understanding and trying to figure out what might be the, the, the reason behind that obstacle. And this is exactly one of those examples. I'm, I'm, I'm lecturing in Spain coming up in May on the gut brain connection. So I was asked to talk about that and just, you know, every time I do a lecture, I dive into the research again. And that's what, that's really refreshing because as I was looking at this connection, there was a lot of researchers around the world that are really exploring the gut weight connection. Uh, and, and, and I would say even the gut brain weight connection, because so much of our habits, our dietary habits, our feeling of fullness, it's called satiety, uh, and our impulses with food are actually connected to the bugs in our gut. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's really mind blowing, Gina. And I want to share a little bit of some of the things I found in the research with you today. Yeah, I love that. And this takes me back to when I first started looking into weight loss and why I wasn't losing weight, even though I was exercising all the time mm-hmm. and hardly eating anything. I want to remind people that words like no one was talking about lifestyle. No one was talking about insulin. 
cortisol, microbiome, like it, it, nobody was talking about those things. And so the conversation has just, this is just like leveling up the conversation and building on all the information that's come about over the last few years. And I think that's the problem. Diets don't work. I mean, they do, you can lose the weight. They're not sustainable and they don't make you healthier just by eating less and exercising more and burning the fat. Sure. Your body becomes healthier in a sense that you've, you're, you're losing weight. So you're not getting that inflammation and all the other issues that are caused by carrying this excess fat. But, um, I just wanted to say that because the conversation is evolving. And what I love about you coming on and sharing it with us is that we are empowering our members. You are already doing so much. The takeaway today, before we get into this, because I don't want you to be overwhelmed is you are already doing a lot by being here in week five of the program. And if you have issues with your microbiome or inflammation, food sensitivity, gut dysbiosis, hormonal health, the things you are doing now are the things that you are going to need to do to even start to address those issues. So you're on the right path. You're, you're yes. already working towards it. So, and okay. Like, so where do we start? Yeah. Like I would say even in addition to that, Gina, I think that's a great place to start. Uh, you know, I think that we have to, we have to understand the big picture before we dive into the weeds, because if you get in the weeds, mm-hmm. you can really get stuck there and being like, okay, is Dr. Paul going to tell me about a specific probiotic strain that will help me lose weight? No, I will not yeah. tell you that today because the research yeah. is simply not there yet. However, um, I will tell you about how important your gut health is and maybe what are some of the things that you can start thinking about and, and we'll maybe start doing uh, to regulate that. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, I, to your point, Gina, the things that everyone's trying to do, uh, mindset, mindfulness, reduce the amount of impact the stress has on the body. Uh, that is the most important thing to, to address the next four things we're going to talk about because our bodies, homeostatic, AKA our internal balancing systems. These are beautiful, elegant systems that when you feed and rest and recover and, and exercise your body the right way, those systems take care of the four things we're about to talk about. Yeah. Okay? So a lot of times as a perfect example, a lot of times patients will come to me and I ask them, one of the first questions I say, uh, how did you find the Libby program? And they'll, and they'll tell me about if any weight loss and they'll tell me about non-scale victories. And this is very important because they'll say, well, for example, you know, my PMS got better. Well, how is diet changing your PMS? Well, we know that the way you eat can change your hormones. That's a perfect example of, of maybe you've experienced this right now. If you're thinking, okay, I need to rebalance my hormones. Your body wants to rebalance those things. And then when you feed it the right way, and you don't inundate it with junk and garbage, then your body's metabolism is going to start getting back to its normal set state. So to your point, probably the most important takeaway right off the bat is that if you have not done all the things that you want to do with the program and implementing it, that's the first place to start to correct these four things, Gina. Right? That makes sense. Um, so yep. let's talk about the di- uh, the gut because uh, we actually, usually in past conversations, we've saved this for the last one. And today we're switching into the first one because I think it really is the foundational piece. A couple of things for us to consider. Number one, we have 10 times the amount of bacteria, fungi, and viruses in our guts that are living symbiotically with us, meaning they are working with our bodies to produce things like serotonin. A lot of people don't know this, but serotonin is your feel-good, happy neurotransmitter. It also helps you with regulating your appetite. 90% of it is produced in the gut by gut bacteria, 
by cells in the lining in your gut. Just let that sink in for a second. We are more bacteria than we are cells, than a human. We have this beautiful relationship, Gina, between those microorganisms. And there are a lot of things that are, have worked throughout our lives to unfortunately disturb that relationship. So think about poor diet. Uh, if you're eating a lot of refined foods, you're, you're, the research shows that your microbiome, that bacteria composition of those trillions of bacteria, it changes, it shifts. And that's one of the reasons that I think I really like the, the concept of you can't eat a little bit of sugar and still expect to not have cravings because your bacteria now start fueling themselves on that sugar. And they are going to now send out signals that actually go through the bloodstream all the way to the brain to say, hey, give me more. Feed me more of this junk. So you have to cut that tap off. That's one example. So in a sense, the Libby program in many ways is already trying to rebalance your gut, whether or no, whether you know it or not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, and I don't know if you want to add anything to that, because I know that you probably had some experience with your gut. Uh, well, I just want to, I just want to say, like, like you said, you're already addressing a lot of these things yeah. and they all really work together. Like your, you know, when you, when you don't get a good night's sleep and then you're tired, it affects the way your body processes your foods. And then you're end up craving sugar. You have a little bit of sugar. It affects your microbiome that affects your mm -hmm. brain. All of these things lead back to your brain. And we're always talking about messaging. Yes. Trying to send messages to your body, be in tune to knowing what your body needs and having your body communicate its needs back to you and how it all works together. And that messaging can get really muddy. And this yeah. is where you feel like things are slow and you're not, you know, like your body is slow to make change and all those things because it's, it's slow to be receiving the messages. And I know that a lot of what we're talking about, we're using big words like microbiome and we got little, these bugs in our guts and stuff like that. It's, it's all, it's all very much real life. And we're not trying to, you know, like woohoo you into believing a bunch of crap. Like this is on the most basic level, how your body functions. And when it comes to your gut, there's a lot of research, especially on, for example, I was just reading the other day, anxiety and yes. especially tied into PMS and how, you know, we feel all this anxiety leading up. And it's not just because we're stressed out and we're whatever. It's because our body is reacting to the chemical reactions or the reactions that, that, that are happening in our body. So, so I just want to kind of, it seems like a lot, it seems like big, but it is very real, which is why we're going to have a really real conversation about it today. Yeah. And it's all how it impacts you trying to lose weight. And it's it does, not just yeah. the food and the water and those things. It's such a, it's, it's like, I saw someone today who in the comments who's like, well, I'm a, I'm a slow loser. I hope there's something in this today. That's going to help me. There's going to be so many things in this conversation today. It's right. just a matter of whether you show up and you do them and you make the changes or not. Right. So yes, I think, that it, yeah, I mean, we gut health is ground zero for communication in the body, Gina. So we talk yeah. about inflammation and that's the next thing we're going to talk about. But what we now know from uh, a, a scientific perspective is that when your gut is unhappy, the bacteria are imbalanced. So for example, a lot of times people will not feel good after they take antibiotics because antibiotics kill certain types of bacteria. Yeah. And that allows these opportunistic bacteria to grow up. And then they are now going to have that negative effect. I've had patients, uh, you know, Every, almost every single day that tell me, you know, they had COVID, then they had a sinus infection. This is one that I'm thinking about just yesterday. They took antibiotics and then they got gastroenteritis. And ever since they got gastroenteritis, which is a gut bacterial infection, um, because of the antibiotics, 
they have been burping, they've been bloated, they've been cramping. This is these are signs that the body's telling you on the gut level that you are not breaking down your foods correctly. You have an imbalance of your microbiome, and then there that is creating inflammation in your whole body. People will say, I feel like tired, I feel foggy. This is because when those that lining of cells that are that are making up the gut barrier, it can become leaky. That's the term leaky gut. That's not just a woo term. That is a scientifically peer-reviewed, multiple hundreds of research studies showing that many conditions, including fatty liver, which is a huge one I know when it comes to the people that are that are participating in your group, that is related to gut imbalance, or the term that you've used is called gut dysbiosis, which I think is the scientific term. Basically, a fancy way of saying that that microbiome, the healthy microbiome is imbalanced and is causing symptoms and causing inflammation in your body. Well, I love this because we have, we hear so many times people who had fatty liver storing the program and just by making the most basic changes on the program are able to address that. So that's really exciting above and beyond. Again, I want to reiterate what you are doing with the basics is already a lot. So Mm -hmm. this is like a a leveled up conversation, which is perfect for this week. You said something about inflammation in your microbiome, which makes me believe that microbiome is is at the center of inflammation of food sensitivities of gut dysbiosis and of hormone health as well. So Kind of think ways, of it, yeah. your microbiome's in the middle, and it's really affecting all of those things. I think that's an excellent way of visualizing it for everyone, because it is ground zero for the production of inflammation. It's ground zero for your immune system. If you feel like you're getting sick all the time, one of the reasons could be that your gut is unhappy, because that's where a lot of immunity comes. There's actually quite a bit of research showing particular probiotic strains improve your resilience to upper respiratory tract infections. You know, how's your gut related to your, you know, your throat and your nose and your sinuses? Because they share a common membrane. So the the immune reaction that you're having in your gut is actually going to be transferred throughout your entire intestinal tract and also through your throat into your into your uh, into your sinuses because they share a similar mucous membrane. This has been a principle in naturopathic medicine for a long time. And now the research is finally catching up to what us naturopaths have been talking about for so long. So I think that there's so many considerations for us to think about, but bringing it back to the basics is that how do you start changing your gut? You start fueling it the right way. How do you start fueling it the right way? Following the Livy plan, stop giving it things that make the gut imbalanced. Some of the worst ones are sugar, alcohol, artificial sweeteners, These are three well-known things that damage the microbiome. Then after that, there's a research paper I just read yesterday, the impact of pesticides, the impact of the pesticide uh, or herbicide called glyphosate, which is just ubiquitous, especially here in Canada. It's a big difference between why people can go to Europe and they say, you know what, Dr. Paul, I can eat pasta there and I'm not bloated. And then they come back here and they're like, oh my gosh, like my gut's brutal. There is a stress aspect to that, but there's also a change in the type of food that you might be eating. And that food fuels your microbiome or, Gina, it hinders it. So start with following the the Livy plan because that's the best way to start balancing your microbiome. Now, if you're one of those people that you're saying, hey, listen, I've done that. My gut's still off. That's when, and I've heard you say this before, that's when you go and seek out a naturopathic doctor to be like, hey, I need help on this. Because this is an area of my weakness. This is an area of my predisposition, Gina. 
we need to start being proactive about that. Like if your lower back is weak, then you should be seeing a chiro or a physio to help address that. Um, you know, for me, it's my gut. I know that my digestive system is my metabolic weakness. For other people, it's their sleep. My mom has trouble sleeping. I have no trouble sleeping. Everyone's a little unique. So we have to look at that and then seek out the help in the areas that we need. But I hope that that gives people some impetus to say, hey, listen, start with the diet. But then if I do continue to have symptoms, like I'm still gassy, I'm still bloated, seek out professional help to try to balance that for you. And it's not, it's not just a matter of cutting it out, like cutting out alcohol, cutting out sugar, cutting out artificial sweeteners. I see someone asking about stevia. Um, we'll you know, the, the, yeah. the, pardon? I, I'm happy to talk about that too, I was going to say, because there is some research coming out on stevia compared to some of those uh, other sweeteners. Okay. Right. Yeah. Let's get that, get that to get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, cause we never have that artificial sweetener conversation. I'm just like, there's so much research out there. I don't touch it. Like I will not touch it. Um, but okay. So it's not just a matter of cutting those out though. I mean, that's going to help, but for some people they need a little bit more. It's like, what is the fix for this? Is it, is it probiotics, prebiotics? Like it, like what is, yeah. what would be, what would be like, um, I know everyone will be a little different. But what, what's the fix for your microbiome? Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is the, I think, the penultimate question that everyone's probably thinking about right now. So it's like, so what do we do about it, Dr. Paul? Yeah. Well, I think I already started saying is that, and you started saying the same thing, start with the diet, see if that makes a difference. I would say majority of the cases, people, they, if they follow the plan, they will always say my IBS went away because I stopped feeding my gut and my body stuff that is making my digestive system more imbalanced. If you feed it the right way, which is whole foods, um, uh, high quality, high antioxidant foods like fresh fruits and vegetables, we now know that those molecules inside those uh, fruits and vegetables, there's fibers, there's also these compounds called polyphenols, they feed our bacteria in our gut. Our bacteria use them to actually grow and proliferate. The way it's an important concept to understand, and this goes back to the antibiotic comment, where you take antibiotics, it kills off good and bad bacteria. But then the problem is that those bad bacteria, they're opportunists. They're going to jump on that gap that was created and they're going to grow up fast. When you have enough good bacteria, that's the concept of probiotics, is that when you have enough good bacteria, they're going to keep the opportunists in check. You can't get rid of them totally. We all have a little candida in our diet, uh, sorry, in our, in our, in our guts. It's a matter of like, is it being put in its rightful place by your good bacteria? And so that's where foods that are high in natural fibers, we talk about prebiotics and probiotics. So in this case, I think pre and probiotics are appropriately put in the primary supplement category because they are that foundational. So I think in that sense, you know, uh, Gina, back in the day before we even knew all the research, you had a, you had a, you already had, whether it's a feeling, a thought or an intuition that this was important to put that there. I think that makes a lot of sense now. Um, and so that's a good place for us to start. A lot of people, I would say 80% of people get benefits from that. And then if you're still having gas and bloating and reflux, there are many other factors, you know, that we have to consider that um, may be in that 20%. So if you're in that category, that's where you're going to seek out some of that additional help to have guidance of you may need to have like a weed and feed approach where you kill off the bad bacteria with some uh, botanicals and then you put some specific higher dose probiotics back in and some targeted prebiotics. That's really what I do with my patients. And that's not a general recommendation. I don't recommend everyone go and suck back 
oil of oregano, which it will kill off bacteria in your gut. A lot of people do that. I'm still shocked how many people will take oil of oregano every day between November and and April. And unfortunately, it does kill off bad bacteria and good bacteria. And so it, it's it's a it's a very short term thought in my mind because you are going to have a deleterious long term effect if you're always trying to kill the bacteria instead of let's just get the guys that are supposed to be there to keep the bacteria in check. That's a better, that's a better approach. So take the things out, add the good foods and stuff back in, go, you know, you can take that next level probiotics, prebiotics, whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there a test? Can you test your microbiome? Is there a test for that? There's a ton of tests online. Uh, any sort of biome test that actually is the name of a company, which I'm not associated with, but a lot of them, uh, unfortunately, I've looked into a number of them and the, the clinical application from the results, while it's kind of cool to like send your poop in and they give you this report and they'll say, these are the foods you should be eating. Um, they're, it's not very clinically applicable from everything that I've seen and I've looked into. I have testing that's more specific to pathogenic bacteria that I use. So for example, I will do SIBO testing, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So this is a condition where it's a a very severe case of dysbiosis and there's bacteria in places like the small intestine that it shouldn't be. And so that needs to be killed off. And that can happen because people are on certain medications. That can happen because they have low stomach acid. That could be because they have actual a structural issue. Uh, in uh, their ileocecal valve, which is the connection between the large and small intestine. So there's a lot of other factors that kind of play. I would actually even say, Gina, that uh, you you touched on this earlier. One of the big things in the in the last couple of weeks of research for me that really came home is that stress has such a powerful role to play on your microbiome's health. When you're under a lot of stress, that your gut actually becomes more permeable, and your bacteria change. Your actual microbiome changes when you're under stress. You don't absorb nutrients as well. So that's where all the things we talk about being mindful and putting in those those practices, I think that's another huge component to yeah. gut health. I, this is what I've, this has been the past year of my life. My one with turning 50, I'm sure my hormones are factoring in, but the stress in whenever I'm stressed affects my stomach. And Lord, I add, I add in a tiny bit of sugar or alcohol and I just am bloated. I'm uncomfortable. I don't feel well. And I know it's all stress, which is like, I can feel it simultaneously weakening my body, probably starting with my microbiome is probably what's happening. And then I get on my probiotics. I take my stuff. It, you know, it feels better. And then, you know, stress hits again, I fall off and it's just like a fucking disaster. Um, Okay, but there is hope. <laughs> well, I'm, that's a good segue into hormones. I think that that's a perfect segue. We'll use you as an example, Gina, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, where? Right. Okay, so we just you're you just heard Gina be like, "This is the Gong Show" because this happens, and I'm sure everyone listening has can somehow think of a time in their lives that they've also been under a lot of stress. And again, it's out of our control to a degree. So we're going to do all the things to try to uh, bring our cortisol and our adrenal systems back into balance. That adrenal system, which is, again, those glands are located right above your kidneys. That's your stress coping system. And so when you're under a lot of perceived stress, and that could be 
uh, mental, emotional. That could be physical. You're actually staying up late because you have a baby that's crying. Uh, these are all types of stressors, Gina, and they create a stress response in the body. And the main hormone is called cortisol. And that does alter the microbiome. However, the body has all, a lot of powerful anti-stress systems too. So I don't want to just paint it all like it's all negative because when you think about it, this is actually one of my big kind of like critical takeaways, I would say, is that when you think about all the health things that you um, have read about online, read about on Instagram, saunas, cold tubs, fasting, exercise, just think about those four big things. What are they? They are, you're actually exposing your body to more stress. It's a, they're stressors. The body is meant to handle stress. I want to drill that home today. The body is meant to handle stress. The problem becomes when we don't recover from stress. So we think it's like an over stress syndrome, or you can think about the other side of the coin. It's an under recovery syndrome. So our body can handle stress sometimes heroically. However, I think what we need to focus on is we need to build up our resilience, build up our um, ability to deal with stress. And there are ways to do that. Uh, mindfulness, prayer, meditation, all this is research evidence-based to show that it activates your anti-stress systems. Speaking of the gut again, there's this nerve called the vagus nerve. It connects the brain and the gut. That's the way that the brain and the gut communicate. There's a direct highway. And that nerve, when you de breathe deeply, for example, and use your diaphragm, when you're eating in a, in, a, in a peaceful environment and you're not eating in front of your screen and eating while you're on the phone or you're watching something or doing work, you are able to activate that vagus nerve. And that vagus nerve then has literally an anti-inflammatory effect. There's this, it's called a cholinergic anti-inflammatory effect, and it, it helps combat the effects of stress. The problem is, is that we have a lot of stress, which we just talked about actually could be a good thing, but we just don't recover. There's like a zero recovery. So what do we do when we get stressed? We actually compound the problem. We drink. We go to bed late because we want to binge out on things. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand up too because we've all been there. But my point is, is that we have to get out of the mentality of I need to insulate my life from all stressors because that is a, is, a, is a losing proposition. It doesn't exist. You have to think about how do I enhance and support and buttress my life with ways of becoming more resilient. I want to, this comment, well, if stress is big, plus I'm perimenopausal, I have no hope. This is why we're having this conversation. I said to Dr. Paul before we started today, I want to stress the importance of actually addressing these things. Not just like, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. No, if you want to make a big ass fucking change in your life, you actually want to see change. You want to lose your weight finally and forever. You want to be healthier. You want to do these things. You're going to have to take this real serious. And I, I put up my hand too. I get stressed out. What do I do? I grab a drink, right? And then I pay for it for the next week. I have this. I have that. I, I, I do this. And so I know you are doing this. And so if you think your hormone hormones are off, go see someone who's going to help. Listen to this conversation today. Have some takeaways. If you think your microbiome is screwed because you've been on antibiotics or you've been doing this or your stress levels, you know you are stressed. Listen to this conversation today and take right. it seriously. The whole point of this conversation is to give you hope.
because there are so many things you can do, so many things you can do in combination that are going to make a big difference, that are going to get you to where you want to go, but you are going to have to do the work. Some of you are going to have to make changes. You're going to have to maybe add in some supplements. You might have to stop eating cheese. You might have to actually do something to manage your stress. Yeah. You're going to have to get your ass to bed earlier. You're going to have to make real changes, but that's the whole thing. If you want to see change, you have to make change. And that's why we're having this really big conversation today. I know you are working hard and it's about leveling up. And that's what this week is about. And that's, what's so exciting is that you are already doing so much with following the program that there is so much hope for you. So much hope for you. Sorry, I just, yeah. I had to say that because I, I just, I want people to really understand that there's so much that can be done, but if you're not doing it, you know? I mean, I think the one, one thing as you were talking, Gina, that really came to my mind is that a lot of times we get in the mentality of, um, I'm stuck, woe is me, what can someone give me and do for me? Uh, and, and what can I add in even, I would say. I think a lot of what I've just talked about is is you need to simplify your life. I've been on record yeah. here to talk about that before. Uh, yeah. And when you think about a lot of the things that are core and foundational to your health, um, um, diet, rest and recovery, sleep, healthy movement, healthy relationships, a lot of that is eliminate the toxicity, eliminate things that do not builds you up and work towards your goal. And a lot of times this might be like to the person that just said that about menopause. It's like, okay, um, if you're perimenopausal and you're struggling with a lot of hot flashes, you're struggling with a lot of those symptoms, um, don't have to struggle alone. St do the diet. See if you see if you notice the difference. I've had patients that have followed the diet to a T and their hot flashes have gotten better. I will say that. So if that's not you, hopefully that you've had some reduction. If that's not you, number one, have you done all the things that you should be doing? Have you been have you been hydrating enough? Are you eliminating things that really shouldn't? Oh, you know what? On the weekends, I still have a couple of drinks. Alcohol and sugar, I've noticed, is a huge trigger for hot flashes. Yeah. Okay? That's number two. Uh, and then after that, you know, number three is like, you know what? If I can't sleep because I have these symptoms go work with somebody that's going to help give you some hormones or rebalance those hormones because you might need for that period of time some support. And then sometimes when those hormones get rebalanced, Gina, then the weight starts coming off. I have lots of examples that come to mind of people that have done the program and then they're like, that's been the game changer. Um, and that's actually a great segue into, um, I mentioned alcohol and sugar as a trigger for another symptom. That's a great segue into food sensitivities because this is like, a spokes of a wheel instead of like one, two, three, four separate things there. It's like a web that's interconnected. So we talked about gut. We talked about gut microbiome. We talked about the lining of the gut. Then there's these food proteins that everyone has a unique set of food proteins that they could be sensitive to. Some people have very little sensitivities and some people have many. So this is, I'm eating a food. Let's say, let's take dairy. You mentioned dairy earlier, Gina. It's not lactose. It is the protein that's found in dairy that could be creating a negative immune response. So actually inflammation at the level of the gut. And that inflammation also gets circulated through the whole body genome. It affects your metabolism. It affects your energy. It can affect things like hot flashes. So I've actually, 
um, done some testing for people for food sensitivities, or they've done kind of an elimination reintroduction. You can do it the old school way too. That doesn't cost you any money, costs effort. And then you can find out what foods are making my symptoms worse. It could be none, but many times it's one or two foods that are big triggers. And it is going to be a huge thorn that you will remove from your side that your metabolism now can become more effective. I have lots of examples and cases for, for people that have removed food sensitivities and their weight changes. Yeah. So like how prevalent is this? Because, you know, people are like, well, I feel bloated and I feel this. And, you know, like, again, if your weight isn't moving, like, listen, if you're doing the basic things and your weight is moving and grooving and you're at, at the very least that one to two pounds per week, that's amazing. You're doing great. Mm -hmm. But how prevalent is, I got a lot of questions about this because, you know, people think food sensitivities, like how much habit can that cause? How much is the cheese or the bread really bothering me? But people have food allergies where if they literally eat the food, they will die. Like, so would, is it fair to say that food sensitivities are a less serious version of, of like a food allergy or are they two different things? Like, well, the, it, the better way of saying it is that it's, it's maybe it's not life threatening. Like for example, a peanut anaphylaxis is something that will make your throat swell up and you can die. I'm talking about food sensitivities. I specifically use that verbiage because this is now not going to be a life-threatening situation, but it can cause symptoms that often can come on a couple hours later and then stay for a couple days, maybe even the residual effects for a couple weeks. The immune system has a memory gene of all the foods you eat, anything you're exposed to, anything you breathe in, the immune system is constantly processing it, assessing it, and saying, is this something that's going to harm me or is it beneficial or is it neutral? And then they, it eliminates it. Yeah. There are certain situations where our immune system actually starts attacking things that for other people, it's fine. Like for example, dairy protein or gluten. And I have to say, I have a lot of people that will hear this and they'll say, yeah, I'm not willing to give up whatever, you know, and they'll, they'll fill in the blank. You know, they're like, I'm not willing to give up cheese. I'm not willing to give up. Uh, you know, my bread or whatever. And then I'm just going to say, that's a rock that has not been uh, uh, turned over and you don't know the impact on you because it yeah. doesn't always have to be that it causes gut issues, Gina. It could be causing skin issues, for example. It could be causing eczema, rosacea. A lot of people are worried about that and they're frustrated by that. And then I'm like, okay, so let's actually try to eliminate foods that you're that are creating this inflammation in your body. And that inflammation it muddies up the signaling. I love that you guys are talking about signaling in the program because our body is a finely tuned signaling machine where there's these eloquent signals, these elegant signals going between all these different systems. And if you are eating things that are going to compromise that signaling system, now you're going to have inflammation throughout various parts of your body because you're not going to be getting the right signals. You're not going to get the signals to say, hey, turn that inflammation process off. So I think we have to consider uh, food sensitivities as one of the possible obstacles that ties into gut health. Because again, if you're under a ton of stress and your gut's not happy, you're going to react to more things. Maybe you're listening. Gut health. Yeah. yeah. Gut health I, and inflammation. And again, this is where it's all tied in. Again, I want to remind people, it feels like a big conversation and you're like, what? Uh, uh, stick with it. It's a, it's just stick with us in this conversation. Maybe listen and to it again, Gina, like re-listen to it and then think of like, okay, if you don't have all the things that you've pulled, 
uh, pulled up. Um, I've had this conversation before. You can even listen to past ones. If you really want, go back to the archives. Yet every conversation is a little different because we have, we love that. We like bring a different flavor each time we talk. Yeah. Today we're focusing True. a bit more on the gut, but I would say for the first time today, Gina, we've really made the connection of that the gut is at the root of this yeah. intricate web of obstacles. Inflammation, food sensitivities, and hormones all have a key root connection back to the function of the microbiome, the gut lining, and the immune system that is in and around your gut. Yes, which is which is exciting because they're all connected. So all the little things that you can do will actually make up, like add up and make a big difference. This information is also in the new post today for reasons why your weight might be slower to move. It's also in the book. If you want to check that. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, I want to circle back to the stevia conversation because so many people sure. are asking about stevia, monk fruit. We started artificial sweeteners since we're still on that, that microbiome. We're circling back to that. What's your thoughts on those? Yeah. So I think that uh, since the, the kind of idea of artificial sweeteners being having a negative impact has come out, and I would say maybe five, 10 years ago, the yeah. natural health product industry and the food industry have been searching for alternatives. And stevia was the most popular one. Stevia is a plant that has a, a very sweet taste, but it has no sugar. And then monk fruit, xylitol, urethritol, and there's, there's others that are now coming out that have a similar effect. Now, these are molecules that are, don't have sugar in them at all, uh, but they are very sweet. They're actually sweeter than sugar. And so what the research shows is that even if you replace sugar with artificial sweeteners or with something like stevia, the negative impact on your body's uh, satiation and satiety is the same. What does that mean? That means that if you're replacing a, a pop with a, a, a stevia sweetened drink, your body's still going to want to consume more uh, calories if you are eating the, and drinking the stevia. So it's it's it still is not a perfect solution. Yes, is it? Does it have calories? No, it doesn't. However, it can still trigger you to eat more later, and that's the problem with sugar. Is that when we eat sugar, it triggers our, it overrides our kind of natural uh, neurochemical "Hey, I'm full" mechanisms, and yeah. it, it forces people uh, or it, it prompts people to eat more. It also negatively impacts your microbiome, and, and your microbiome, and this is one of the big things. I shared with you earlier, Gina, is that your microbiome plays a huge role in the production of serotonin and your feeling of being full. 
So there is, uh, I still think that, you know, stevia has this negative impact. Um, it doesn't have, it doesn't have sugar in it. So there's, there's at least you're not getting the calorie aspect of things. But my point is, is that don't just replace one thing for another. I think that's the, that's the takeaway message. I think you have to still go to whole foods. And if you're still looking for something really, really sweet, you're not going to really uh, end up in the wind column by subbing out sugar for sucralose or for even non fruit or stevia. What about honey? Something like honey. Yeah, so things like honey, maple syrup, coconut sugar, uh, date sugar. These are these are whole foods, and so that what that means is that yes, there's sugar in them. However, there's also other medicinal compounds. There's other medicinal ingredients like fiber, for example, in the date sugar. I, I'm actually quite a big fan of date sugar because um, it is just a powdered fruit. So you're going to be getting the type of sugar that is naturally occurring in that fruit uh, compared to something that is like high fructose corn syrup or any of the artificial sweeteners that I mentioned or cane sugar. Cane sugar in, in its own right, I think can have a number of additional negative effects over and above the whole foods. So, you know, real honey, uh, a little bit of maple syrup, that would be, I think, the top of the pyramid that we want to use and then kind of go down maybe a little bit of monk fruit, <laughs> maybe a little bit of um, xylitol for like a mouth swish or something dental. Um, or if you have to chew some gum, that would be the best way to do it. And then after that, just like avoid the sugar and artificial sweeteners there, I would say last on the list. Okay. So what you eat is important. Well, it makes up your microbiome. It, it's the most important things for sure. Uh, okay. So I want to kind of lead into um, back, sort of circling back to inflammation, right? I'm, I'm sort of like, how would you know? So causes can be hormonal issues, insulin resistance, Hashimoto's cortisol levels. So I want to, I want to definitely end up in the hormone conversation, digestive issues, including food sensitivities, allergies, autoimmune, autoimmune, like arthritis, lupus. Uh, medications, stress, environmental factors, lifestyle, and then of course the sugar, the refined carbohydrates, alcohol, processed stuff, that type of thing. So those can all cause inflammation. How do you know if you have inflammation? Well, I think there are some traditional signs, classic signs. I think a lot of people will say inflammation associated with things like pain, but you know, a lot of times things like osteoarthritis, there you know, it's not like systemic inflammation necessarily. I think you have pain. Uh, there's a genetic component to some people. There's injuries. Past injuries are a huge contri uh, contributor to that. So it's not just pain, Gina. I think, Gina, uh, the biggest thing is people associate pain with inflammation. But it could be, again, gut dysfunction, uh, bloating, swelling. Your hands are kind of like um, your rings are tough to get on and off. These are little small swelling things. That's actually one of the key signs that, People will say that, you know, once they like get on their uh, diet or they clean up their gut, they're, they're like, you know what, I like I find myself less sore and achy in the morning. Uh, overnight, we're not moving as much. And so there's an accumulation of fluid that sometimes happens. And that is another sign of inflammation. Um, you know, skin issues like eczema uh, and is another sign that there is there's inflammation that's being transmitted, again, out from the body that's coming out through the skin. The skin is a backup detox organ. It is not, if the gut and the liver and the kidneys are not working as well, it all comes out through the skin. So slathering corticosteroids on eczema, while, you know, in severe cases is can be life-saving, 
it is not a long-term solution and there's negative effects of doing that. So we have to think about uh, everything that we do and everything we put on our body, in our body, um, can have either a positive or negative impact or we have to consider both. Sometimes it's a short-term impact for long-term loss. Uh, so those are little signs as well that I always think about inflammation. Things like, uh, like I'm just tired all the time. I'm fatigued. I don't really have any obvious deficiencies. My doctors check that. I have brain fog. This is a sign of neurological inflammation. Uh, we've learned about this a lot through like post-COVID and long COVID types of situations. So there's cellular inflammation. There's allergic inflammation, Gina. And then there's actually autoimmune inflammation, which can start affecting things like your gut. It can affect things like skin, your organ systems. And that's where we're starting to look at uh, anti-inflammatory strategies are going to keep those things in check. Everyone listening, like hands up if you feel like you fall under any of those things. I know, I cover a lot there, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I always say four reasons why your weight might be slower to move. Maybe it's, it's one reason it's inflammation that can be caused by your microbiome, food sensitivities, gut issues, hormonal health. Like, is that sort of like just trying to reframe it for, for people? Is it, is it one main issue and it's inflammation and it can be caused by all these other separate things? Is, is that, Am I getting that right? Yeah, I think we're getting that right. The one thing I was, I would probably pull the hormones out of that where inflammation contributes to that, but hormones can be imbalanced over and above inflammation in the body. So I would say there's like the gut and that leads to food sensitivities and inflammation. I would say even um, if you want to put the one tier, put them in in order, it's like inflammation is what you see. So it's the top of the iceberg. The next level is food sensitivities and then gut dysbiosis is at the deeper level. And the hormones are kind of like on the side that affect all three of them. And that they are, there's arrows that go to all three as well. So uh, hormones can impact everything. Like for example, cortisol, you probably think that sounds pretty similar to cortisone because yeah. you know cortisone and cortisol lower inflammation. So if you have a ton of cortisol because you're under a lot of stress, then your body's actually going to suppress not only inflammation, but it's going to suppress your immune system. And your you again, it's about balancing that. You need some inflammation in your body to help promote healing. It's going to help your immune system to do its job better. To say, hey, look, there's something that needs to be healed over here. Come over here and heal. Come over here and resolve this inflammation. <clears throat> it's not just about suppressing it. Otherwise, we'd all be on corticosteroids and we'd feel awesome. No, it doesn't work right. like that. It's about the Goldilocks effect. It's about just right, not too little, not too much, just right. And that's maybe the frustrating part, but it's not frustrating when you start looking at your health, not as A plus B equals C all the time. No, it's about how does it work together because they all balance each other. Start with a diet and start with mindfulness, start moving your body in the right way, start implementing things that are going to reduce stress. These are simple, free things, Gina. If you came away from this conversation thinking that you have to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on all these things, I think you missed the point of what we're trying to say. I love it. And I love you. Okay. Um, in the spirit of the time that we have left and this huge hormonal conversation. So we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Oliga on Thursday about menopause and hormones and all of that type of thing, that conversation. But when someone comes to you and says, I think I have hormonal issues and that's why I'm not losing weight. What is, what does hormonal issues mean to you? Because it's a big conversation. 
It is, yeah, and it, it can mean a lot of different things. But I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on three areas that I think is most impactful for uh, the people that are listening. Number one, okay. I already mentioned the adrenal system. I personally think the adrenal system, your stress coping system, think of it as your, as your stress shock absorber. It is the most poorly understood system by conventional medicine. It's often overlooked because conventional medical uh, practitioners just look at it like black and white. Do you have the worst case scenario like Cushing's really high cortisol or very low Addison's disease? But there's a lot of people that have what's called, excuse me, HPA axis dysfunction. And that's a fancy way of saying brain connecting to adrenals causing issues. And there's this, there's this connection when you're feeling stress that your body's going to create this response. So it's the translation of something invisible to something that's biochemical, that's creating, uh, creating these hormones in the body. And eventually, Gina, if you keep calling on that pathway, saying, I'm under stress, press the button, I'm under stress, press the button, eventually that system will uh, decrease its function. It's kind of like I'm always riding my brakes. Eventually, those brake pads are going to get worn down. And so if you don't re, uh, refill your, uh, your body's recovery systems, if you don't re- uh, repair, uh, you don't take time to repair, your body's not going to uh, actually be able to recover and you're going to have an impaired adrenal response. And that could mean a whole bunch of things. But the primary symptoms, Gina, are I'm tired. Um, I'm going to have uh, changes in my sleep. You might be... Uh, blood sugar issues all over the place. And you, no matter what you do with your diet, you know, you really, really, really struggle with um, skipping any meals. I have said this before. I think a great uh, diet is following the gene living plan because you're, you're fueling the body regularly. So you're already kind of like building up uh, your, uh, your reserves that way. So fatigue is a huge one, I would say, Gina, and there's many other ones, but I think that's a, that's a big one. The funny thing about the adrenal system is that a lot of the symptoms that sh- that that um that might be dysfunctional, they're all like pretty vague, and they often uh, they often can get confused with other symptoms. Like people just like I just don't feel right. I'm off. I'm um you know I'm I'm getting hot flashes when I'm 45, and and it's just like it's the system that is under the surface pulling the strings, but it's it's not looked at and considered by almost any doctors. Okay. Well, and I think that's sort of the, the adrenals is like what sort of your adrenals, it's like what are, what, what is being impacted, you know, before big thyroid issues hit yeah. or before yes. menopause hits, you're already, your body's already like broken down and being like, ah, and then you're going through that and everything's like really exasperated. Right. Um, okay. So the adrenal system, and, and we're going to have, Dr. Paul's going to come back. We're going to talk about our secondary supplements and you adaptogens. If, Memory yep. serves are really good. There are things that you can take to help with your adrenals. Yeah. So there really is no drugs that are going to help the yeah. adrenal system. There's only drugs that suppress the adrenal system or replace it if it's totally gone. So like that's AKA steroids. Um, yeah. You know, on the flip side also, if you've been on steroids for a long time, for example, uh, creams, uh, puffers, nasal sprays, these are things yeah. that are, again, going to be influencing the adrenal system because they just are going to constantly give the body an external source of steroids and the adrenal system is constantly checking how much is in the body. And eventually it's going to say, well, I'm just going to decrease my own production because I'm getting a lot of this here. So there's, there's, there's research showing that, you know, kids that are on uh, puffers for asthma for extended period of time, actually it impacts their growth because they're, they're missing this key signal as just one example of what's in the literature. 
Yeah, um, and impact your weight as well. Uh, I mean, totally. The side effects of excess cortisol are you get you retain weight. You kind of your face actually is called like a moon face. Your face will blow up, and you'll get like a, the circular face. Uh, so that is another sign. Again, if you're like trying, can't lose weight and you have this like tire around your waist, one of the, the cortisol receptors are so rich in this area that if you're struggling that, you know, the rest of your body seems fine, but you have this kind of like thing around your waist, that could be that you have a lot of adrenal issues by having excess cortisol. Well, and that's where, you know, we'll be like, oh, it's menopause. It's that kind of, you know, hormones, but people aren't thinking cortisol is like, those, those are hormones that people aren't talking about. Okay. So the adrenal system, and then you mentioned two others, what what categories? Yeah. I think, uh, I love that you, uh, you, you position the adrenal system as kind of like the underlying system and that, you know, you can really become dysfunctional because when you think about it, you know, think about most people that are in the program, you know, for example, a lot of moms. Uh, I call it the mom syndrome. They go through life through their like uh, late twenties, thirties that are trying to like make it in their job. And then they like get pregnant and then they uh, are are thrown into this like new mom phase with kids and stressors. And then they try to get back to work. So stress is high. Uh, and then they are like taking their kids everywhere. And then they almost like come out of this like fog where they're like, I'm, 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 they're like, I'm functioning. I'm good. But what are you doing? You're actually pulling out more than you're putting in that for those whole, let's say like 15, 20 years. That's, that's what I term the mom syndrome. And then they come out at 48, 45 and they're like, Oh shoot. Now that the kids are a little bit older, they start thinking about their health. They, they've been able to lose their weight before they've been able to keep it off and still eat junky. And now all of a sudden that's not happening anymore. So they have to deal with the reality of I've been under a ton of stress and I haven't really done anything about it and I can't keep up. I mean, how many people can resonate with that pattern? I can see it over and over and over and over again in my practice. So of course it's better. If you're hearing this and you're a 30-year-old, this is amazing to hear because you can help, you can already help prevent some of this. But if you're hearing this and you're in that kind of like late 40s, 50s, that doesn't mean that you're screwed because this has happened. This just means like, hey, I now understand this was the root of it. I need to now also work on my stress levels I need to work on my mindset, my mindfulness, because that is ultimately what's going to keep the adrenal system down. And that's a good parlay right into menopause. So that's the second point is that your estrogen, progesterone go down, your ovaries start produ- stop producing those hormones. And those hormones have a lot of protective effects, Gina. They have a lot of protective effects on, on memory, on your subcutaneous fat. And that's when wrinkles start happening. Uh, lean muscle mass, cardiovascular risk. There's bone mass. There's a lot of changes that happen. And then, of course, there's symptoms like hot flashes and vaginal dryness uh, and aches and pains that can really dramatically affect a person's quality of life. And so correcting those can help a person get into deeper sleep. And then when you can sleep better, you're able to manage uh, uh, stress better. You're able to manage inflammation better. So there's this like really beautiful cycle that starts happening when you start balancing those hormones. So start with a diet. See if that helps. And if you can't really change the, uh, those hormonal symptoms you're experiencing that I just mentioned, that's when you've got to work with somebody that's going to help you in that case. And then where do the hunger hormones, like your leptin and ghrelin, because we're talking weight loss and people eating. And so they're all kind of connected, right? If like one blows out, they're all blown out. Now, next thing you know, we're just fat and hungry. Is that what's happening? <laughs> well, I think the, the biggest thing that I've seen uh, with all the patients that, have, um, that I've seen through the program, Gina, is that 
a lot of people have habits of stress eating. They're going to be emotionally eating through that uh, period of stress. So they've, again, their metabolism is still young and flexible, but as they get older and as they continue to take withdrawals out of their adrenal system without putting the recovery back in, their metabolism becomes less flexible. And then you're going to go, you're going to, you're going to not be able to positively respond to eating habits like, Hey, I can just have uh, that bag of chips and wine uh, at night. And before, you know, in my thirties, that didn't affect me, but in my forties, now that's starting to negatively affect me because your body's resilience to those, uh, to those inputs have changed. Uh, and so that's an important thing for us to consider is that uh, you're, you're going to have to really start looking at what are the reasons why I'm eating? Why am I consuming those foods? So a lot of times we do use food to prop up our neurochemistry to help improve the way we feel temporarily, aka the serotonin and those that, that we talked about, the, those feel-good neurotransmitters. And then we need to we need to then change that because we are relying on an unsteady source for fuel, an unhealthy source for fuel. So that I think is a huge part of satiety that I've seen in my practice. But of course, if you're uh, if your thyroid and your cortisol levels are off, you're going to have changes in your hunger. You're going to have changes in the way that you feel full. Uh, that's why high protein, uh, good fat is a, such a powerful way of keeping our insulin from going up and down. And that's going to be triggering those, uh, those cravings. Uh, so I think that, again, you cover that in the program, in the diet really, really well. But just to let you know, that's a good way of balancing your hormones. So your diet does have a role in balancing cholesterol. I love it. Speaking of full, this was a really robust conversation today. <laughs> It's probably, I know, and you're so generous with your time. We've gone a whole hour. I mean, I'm sure we could, we could keep on talking. Um, it's probably the most important conversation when it comes to weight loss. Honestly, we dive into a variety of different topics. Dr. Paul is going to be back. We're going to be continuing the conversation, but you know, watch this, watch it again, watch it with the notes, watch it again, two weeks from now, you know, four weeks from now, you know, next group, make sure you watch it again. Go to YouTube, pull out all the, uh, all of our past conversations about this. There's so many good to educate yourself in this. Honestly, it's such a great investment. Not everyone has access to it. You have to be in the Facebook support group, but you can download and listen to the podcast and share that with your friends or family or anyone who's been struggling and trying to lose weight. Um, I honestly cannot thank you enough for you taking are. the time with us, uh, Dr. Paul. Um, I know real quick, people are going to want to know where to find you. Uh, where to reach out to you. Yeah. You can check me out on Instagram. You can look at my website. It's on the screen uh, and you can connect with me or my clinic there. Um, you know, I think the one big takeaway I want to have everyone leave this conversation with Gina is that I hope that as, as, as I was talking, as you were talking, Gina, there's one or two things that really stuck out to everyone as you know, what, this is something that resonates right now that I need to work on something that I can, I can action. It's not always an addition. It's sometimes maybe a subtraction. It may be something that is totally free and it has to do with your mindset. It has to do with the way that you've thought about stress. And I want for the next week, I want you to think about how you can action that particular item. And it could be, I've always suspected I have food sensitivities. You know what? I'm going to go get some testing done. You know, I'm going to go seek out support. <laughs> If you have financial issues, if you want to 
buy a house, you're going to get a real estate lawyer. Like it's the way that our, 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 our world works. If you need help in a particular area, go and try to find help in that particular area. Instead of, you know, if you're listening to this for the third time, you've been in this program, don't continue to bang your head against the wall. See if you can like find that additional support in the area that you really need that. Um, and it might be in the area of psychology because you feel like you can, can't take the emotional eatings. I have lots of people that are in that category. Or, you know what? I feel tired all the time. I feel achy in the mornings. I feel like I have brain fog. That talk that Dr. Paul said about adrenal function, that I think represents me. You know, I'm going to go work with a naturopath to address my adrenal system, or at least to go get it tested because there isn't a good blood test to do it. You got to do it through saliva or urine. So hopefully I want this to be a positive takeaway from a, a very complex conversation, which could be a heck of a lot more complex if we really wanted to, Gina. But we're trying to keep the, the weeds at a minimum, and we're trying to keep the, the fruit, the benefit at a maximum. We'll leave it at that. Love it. I love it. And we're, we actually are working on some sort of, you know, conversation yeah. with Dr. Paul. So those of you who are interested, we can go down that rabbit hole of conversation. So we are working behind the scenes uh, on some uh, fun stuff for sure. More Dr. Paul, Dr. Paul all day, every day. Dr. Paul Herkel, uh, thank you for your time today. Thank amazing. you guys. Another thank amazing you. conversation. Thank you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com